Welcome into Other People's Shoes. I'm your host, Neil. I just want to give you a preview of today's episode. Now, I do have to let you know this is an explicit episode only because of the content we will be discussing is of adult nature. So if you're not able to handle it, I completely understand. But I hope you would give my guest, Uriah, his moment to explain his story. And just be aware, we're going to be talking about emptiness and how deep that can really be for somebody and how challenging that has been for him. Are you ready? Because you know I am. Let's go. Hey, come take a walk with me. Not like you used to do. Do something different and put yourself in other people's shoes. Open up your mind and open up your eyes and change your direction. Change your perspective. Welcome into Other People's Shoes. I'm your host, Neil. I'm uh, here with, uh, I would say, one of my newer friends slash coworkers. It is weird how this guy and I came across each other's paths. We work for a company. Again, I love the mystery of saying this. The company will remain nameless. But we do work together, and uh, I've gotten to know this guy uh, over the last, I would say, last year or so. Yep. I don't know a ton about him, so I'm going to let him introduce himself, and uh, we'll go from there. So go ahead. Uh, my name is Uriah. I work for the unknown company that won't be named, and I'm going to answer some questions and give you my insight to how I handle certain situations. So let's see how this goes. Now, you're right. You and I... Uh, we do work together. We work in now. We work in the same department. Yes, which is weird. Unfortunately, because so, I say unfortunately because they should not be the same department. Really? <laughs> no, that's probably a conversation <laughs> that we should have sometime. So, uh, with that being said, I'm I'm always looking for a great story. I'm always looking for um, some great people to 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 have great conversations with, and you and I have. Uh, been paid in a sense to have great conversation because we've had a lot of conversations on the clock and this is our first one technically off the clock. Mm-hmm. But I got to say, part of the reason why I wanted you to, to come on the show was um, I really like some of your insights on stuff because, and this is going to maybe come as a shock to you, because it's so strikingly different than mine. Mm-hmm. And I like that because I want... I want that different perspective. And that's the whole reason why I started this show was is because I wanted not to hear my perspective or hear things I've always grown up hearing or grown up understanding, but I wanted to have a new fresh filter. So on the onset, here's a disclaimer. I don't know what he's going to say. We have not practiced this ahead of time, right? No. In fact, would you even admit, you don't even know I'm going to ask you. Mm-mm, I have no idea. Okay. We are going to be talking about a subject called emptiness. That's the only thing you know, right? Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yep. Okay. So with that being said, you ready to jump in? Sure. Ready to get ready to get in the water, as they would say? Let's I don't, I don't know who says that, but, but I just maybe made up a phrase. Okay. So how would you describe the feeling of emptiness? <clears throat> it's kind of like not knowing who you are or where you belong. Is kind of the easiest way to sum it up without touching the many factors of depression and all that other stuff that it has to do with. But generally speaking, I would say that it's there's no identity because of something that happened to you that took your identity from you. 
have you yourself ever experienced any form of emptiness or anything like that? Yeah, all the time. What What does that look like? Um, personally, for me, it is um, suicidal thoughts and um, depression, and it doesn't help I'm bipolar. So I get both sides of the twisted realm of, of emptiness. Now help me out because, I mean, that the the phrase bipolar, mm-hmm. right? I almost feel like it's a catchphrase now in our society. Like, oh, I'm bipolar. So that almost gives individuals kind of some extra margin in their life, some extra leeway, you know, margin leeway, kind of same thing. But it's almost seems to me almost like a catchphrase. But what you're saying is, is it's, it's not just that it, there's more to that. Yeah. How, how, a lot of, a lot of people so? use bipolar to justify whatever actions they're feeling, you know, they go do something crazy and they go, well, it's my bipolar kicking in today. Well, that's not how it works. It's It doesn't work that way. Um, I was told by a, a therapist, I don't know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, something like that, that I was bipolar. I went to somebody else and he goes, yeah, you're bipolar. And <clears throat> they tried to put pills and stuff down my throat and I refused to do that. So the difference between somebody that actually... I would say has bipolar than to somebody that just uses the phrase is it's an ongoing thing every day. Could you describe it? So for you, obviously not, maybe not for someone else, but this is just for you. So it's, it's like a, it's like a light switch. So, and it can be anything that makes the lights go off. So at one moment I can be elated and happy and excited. And because of a trigger, I am now manic depressive or I'm in a, I'm in a depressive state where I'm thinking of, I'm, I'm worthless or I feel empty, you know? So it's not something that you can just control. It can just happen. So over the years I've had to teach myself how to recognize triggers before. So I don't, I don't get into a manic state just like this conversation with you and I. And this, I have an idea of where we're going just okay. from the questions you've asked me. Sure. And so. Well, that's, that's good in a, in a respect because I would never want to put anybody in an uncomfortable situation. And so, know. right. <clears throat> so bipolar kind of is like, I was excited to come here because we, you know, because I like you and I like to hang out. And, and now I have to not let myself go into anxiety and go into a spot that makes me feel awful about myself or makes me feel empty because I'm going to have to relive a couple things through this conversation. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I don't, I don't have a response to that, which is kind of rare because usually I always have a response. I'm probably going to leave you speechless a couple of times. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> it's always good to start right out of the blocks. I, I love it. We're, we're off to a good start. Uh, why do you think people feel uh, have this sense of, of emptiness and, and feeling of emptiness. Where do you think that comes from? So I know I kind of gave you two questions. Why do they feel that way, and, and, and where do you think it comes from? I think people feel empty when they lose something or something traumatic happened to them to make them lose a sense of who they are themselves. Um, and I don't. I think that answered both those questions, I think. Okay. Um I, I can't, it's hard to speak for other people. I'm a rare, I'm honestly, when it comes to all of this kind of stuff, emptiness and, and depression and all that stuff, I'm a rare breed, to be honest. I'm, I have been studying myself 
since I was 16. I've read books. I've kept countless journals. And um, it has kept me pretty much sane. And, and I, haven't, I, haven't att- I haven't succeeded with suicide yet. And I hope I don't. So, and I, and, but not everybody can do that. So it's hard for me to speak for other, other people. Well, absolutely. And, and I would never ask you to speak on, on behalf of someone else because that's the whole, that would break the whole point of what we're, what we're after. Mm-hmm. I really want your perspective, your thoughts. I mean, right. We're walking in your shoes, not, not so to speak, someone else's shoes, but we're walking in your shoes. Um, so that, that's good. So, uh, and I'll try to make it more, uh, but I, but I also want to get your opinion about others. So, uh, why do you think people are, are feeling so empty that they can't? That they? Why do you think people are, are feeling so empty that they can't reach out to someone? Because they're scared. Okay. They're scared to be judged because people are judgmental, especially when you go to them. <clears throat> especially when you go to them with a with a problem, or um, you go to them and say, "Look, uh, I'm having a hard time. I, I don't." I don't, I don't know why, but nothing, nothing seems like it's doing anything for me. I'm not getting any joy out of what I'm doing. You know, I used to love to write and now I hate to write. So something's going on and society has this, has this, um, this, um, this way of, of putting people that do that to try to get help and that try to open up to their family and friends to shun them. So people are scared. I'm scared. There's one person that I talk to. And that's my wife. So that's what I was going to get into, if you're willing to, to yeah. walk that road, is were there ever moments in your life where you couldn't reach out to someone? Yeah, my whole life, until I met my wife. That's no joke. Why, why, why did you feel there, that there was no one? So when I was a kid, I was molested by somebody. And it was me and six other guys at the same time. Not at the same time, but it was all happening to us during the same point in time. And then I tried to say something and it didn't go over so well. Um, and nobody else, when my dad went and asked all the other kids, they all denied it. So I was the liar, right? I was, I was the one that wasn't telling the truth out of six or seven other boys. So fast forward to 23 years old, I got in touch with, um, a local detective and we had to live through that. And, So over the course of getting to where I'm at now, where I just kind of do things my own way, I've learned how to do things my own way. I've learned how to treat myself kind of in the sense of like a drug addict. I have to recognize my triggers, my triggers that I have to recognize what makes me angry, what makes me sad, what makes me feel whatever people experience. And I have to recognize them and fix them before they become reality. So I'm constantly in check all the time. Um, my family wasn't really there. It was kind of a, oh, that's too bad. Oh, oh, okay. Well, oh, well, we should, you know, why? Or it was all this stammering and there was no, you know, there was no legitimate like, hey, dude, like, what can I do? It was just put out. And then um, when I was 23 and had to relive all of that again with Detective Sandler, um, I had nobody. At the time I was married and... That was, uh, I, she judged me for a lot of stuff. So, um, I had to learn how to deal with that on my own. And then I've just really never had anybody. I've just done it myself. I prefer to do it myself because nobody knows themselves better than yourself. You know, if you were going to look in the mirror and say, I have a problem, who's better to fix that problem than yourself? 
So if you're struggling with something and you're like, hey, I'm like super depressed here, dad, if you know something's going on, you know, uh, what's he going to tell you to make you feel better? Oh, I love you, son. It's okay. We all go through tough times. Nah, it don't help people. What helps people is somebody that somebody that goes, I have a problem. I need to fix myself. That's why I've preferred to kind of do it on my own. It is a little sad that I didn't have the support. Um, and even now, I have my wife, but there's I don't let her in on everything because I can fix it myself. I prefer to. But sometimes it gets a little a little much. The older I get, the looser our heads become, and the you know uh, our thoughts tend to wander a little bit more the older we get. So I have to kind of lean on her when I when it gets really tough. So first off, thanks for sharing that. I know that's pretty pretty tough. So not uh, really. I, well, for me it was. I mean, to... it was pretty easy, man. I've uh, you know through a lot of people that I open up about like that. I'll talk to anybody about it. I'll tell you my story. yeah, but I mean, again, like I said at the onset, I mean we we know each other, but I mean we, it's not like we like hang out together every day, you yeah. know, outside of work. I mean we're getting to that point, but. But no, I mean, I man, I, I appreciate you sharing that because yeah. I mean, as much as it was easy for you, it was it was kind of tough to hear. So to, um, but may, may I interject yeah, one thing? Okay, how old were you when when the abuse took um, Six and a half. Six and a half. I remember the day that the guy that the guy came into my life. I okay. remember the day he was what? driving a uh, nineteen ninety red T bird. Wow. So what year is that? Uh, I was born in 81, so it was like 89. Okay, so like 80, 89. Yeah, okay. Like 80, I just, 89. J- just trying to put it in perspective. Yeah, somewhere. I, think I, I always like wrong. to give dates and, and years and stuff because for me, it, yeah. it helps my brain and maybe even others put it in a kind of context of how far now yeah. we have traveled or how far you So it's been case, 30 years. You have put it traveled that way. 30 it's years. It's been 30 years. So it was, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say pretty firmly 88. And not, not to dwell on that too much, but. To, some follow-up questions if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, did the guy serve jail time? He just got out. He just got yep. out. And then and a week before he got out, I tried to blow my head off. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. Emptiness sucks sometimes. So do you think, and, and maybe you have cognizant memory of this or not, I don't no. know, as you mentioned, as we get older, you know, in your, in your structure and your thinking and your studying is that, you know, we lose some of that as we get older, which I think is true because mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember some stuff like I used to some stuff I am real, real good about, but other stuff I can't. But, um, do you remember ever feeling that sense of emptiness or the bipolarness prior to six? Do you have any, like I said, any cognizant memory of that? Or in your opinion, do you think that the abuse that took place is what triggered all of where you are now? So before, and we're not playing a blame game per se, but so before that I had a, I mean, my, my parents weren't rich. They weren't, you know, they were working and... But both lived at home, right? No well, no divorce there or was there a divorce? I don't remember when my mom and dad got a divorce. I okay. don't remember. Um, but my dad's a solid dude. I mean, I can't say anything bad about him. He's a solid dude. And my stepmom's, a, you know, she's a solid mom. So, but before all the abuse took place, the only thing I really remember, I spent the first two years of my life in the hospital. So I've died three times. I didn't have an immune system. So... Um, I have four years really. <laughs> so, um, I, I don't really remember anything. I remember dirt bikes cause that's what I did. I raced dirt bikes and, um, I was a pain. I was just a little bratty little six year old. That's it. 
So I mean, but you have some some fond memories, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, did you race? Or, did mm-hmm. you you raced them too? I was okay. racing when the guy showed up. Okay, so you're racing, racing dirt bikes. Are you winning some trophies? Yeah. Are you getting some accolade yep. for that? Do you ever remember feeling like it was false or any sense of like, yeah, I won, but I still feel like a piece of trash, basically? No, it's hard to say. Okay. That was a long time ago. Okay. I guess what I'm trying to figure out, I guess what I'm alluding to. When is, I noticed? Is, yeah, is that. Is um, that, did the, did the abuse heighten that or maybe even cause that? So, I think, actually, my problems kind of started, the issues kind of started about the time I actually said something. So, and that was, I'm pretty sure I was 12. And he... um made a move and it didn't work out so well. And I punched him and that was the last time I ever went to his house. Well, after that, I remember sitting on my bed and running razor blades over my skin because it made me feel good. And that was a release for me. I don't know why at the time I had no idea where it was and coming. How old? I was 12, 13. Oh my gosh. And, um, I don't, I, at the time I didn't know where it was stemming from. You know, I didn't, um, I didn't have no idea. All I knew is when I did it, it made me feel good. And it, and it made the emptiness full and it made the hurt to go away. And so that was a, that was a method I used for coping for, for years. So I, I, and, and then I, and then when I was about 13, I took about 350 ibuprofen at one time and I had to have my stomach pumped and I had to go to the emergency room and stuff. And I'm, excuse me, I'm not sure that's kind of foggy. I just remember feeling hurt for some reason. And, you know, as speaking of triggers earlier, I think the fact that my girlfriend at the time broke up with me triggered me and it made me feel alone and it made me feel vulnerable. And that's one of the things that I have to be careful with is feeling vulnerable. And the next thing you know, I took two handfuls of ibuprofen and I walked out and I looked at my dad. He had a bunch of people over and I looked at my dad and I said, I'm probably going to die. I just took two handfuls of ibuprofen and I walked away. So I think that's when it all kind of started. But there would some, some would say, I, I, I'm not saying this, but I think some may say, oh, he was just doing that to get attention. Oh, he's just, you know, he's just, he's just a troubled kid. Oh, you know, he's just adolescence. He's still trying to find his way. You know, he's not, uh, his brain's not fully developed yet. I mean, there, there could be, all these things that uh, you were attention seeking kid, you know, I mean, whatever. I mean, what, what would you say to all that? Um, I would say, come wear my shoes. That's that's good. <laughs> I like it. So, no, sh- sh- um, no, show, no, show plug there. No, yeah. no, no joke. I would, I would no, tell I, that. I, person, I know sometimes we need a little laughter for levity, but yeah, yeah I, I would I tell that saying. person a hundred percent. You need, let me sit down and tell you my life because it wasn't just, I was molested. My mom was murdered and it's, I've had, kids taken out of my home for what they've done to my other children. So it's not like I've had this peachy keen, everything in my life has been revolved around despair and, and hurt and loss. And I am still here and I still smile. So I would tell those people that "Mm, take a step back and, and you need to, you need to, you need to take a step back because you don't know what you're talking about. You know, it's interesting, your name. I mean, you don't have a run-of-the-mill name. No. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to transition, then we'll come back to some stuff just to yep. give some levity for a moment. Uh, I like your name. You, however, I don't think love your name, right? Am I wrong in that? I hate it. Why do you hate it? 
Because I think I know, but maybe others don't. And so, so this will give somebody some insight into you as well. Okay. So why do you hate your name? I mean, I know some obvious reasons, but I'll let you tell and then I'll go. How's that? Okay. So it's very trivial why I don't like my name. Okay. So I get irritated super easy and I think everybody should be smart. And when they don't get smart, it irritates me to the to the brink that I turn into a shit. Excuse my language. And <clears throat> so I... If somebody goes, what's the name for your order? And I say Uriah. And they go, hmm. And then they don't ask me how to spell it. And they hash my name. They just wreck it. Okay. That's irritating. That's why I don't like my name is because people can't just simply go, how do you spell that? They don't, they don't, they don't have the common decency to just ask me. That's, that's why you don't like my name? That's why I don't like my name. Okay. That was not at all what I was guessing. That's why I don't. Okay, so Neil, how many versions do you think there are of Neil? Neil, right, right. There's there's the there's the K E E L version, K E N E E L version. The Neil, like you're kneeling on the. Oh ground. yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, different I, words. It could, I can't yeah. spell, so I was really like trying to spell that in the air, like they taught me in elementary school. <laughs> there's the uh, N I E L version. And then there's the N E I L version, mm-hmm. and then there's the N E A L version. I mean, there's a variation, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's not as bad, but I do get it misspelled quite a bit. But I thought you didn't like it because of this reason. What? Your name's biblical. No. It 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 appears in the Bible, though. I know it means God is my light. Is that what it means? Yes. I never knew that. Uriah was the Hittite. Well, I know Uriah was the Hittite, and that's what I was saying is is that when I look at the story of Uriah the Hittite. Little it's Bible, kind of sad. Little Bible story, yeah. right? Time, it's right? Sad. I mean, you know the story, right? Yeah. King David's up on the roof, yeah. sees Bathsheba, <laughs> thinks she's hot. She's yeah. taking a bath. So he has me killed. That's he, awesome. He, <laughs> he has her come to the castle. <laughs> they have relations. Uh, the next day, you know, a couple months go by, I guess. She comes back and says, oh, BT Dubs, I'm pregnant. And he's like, oh, snap. Uh, let's get her husband home, which is Uriah. Gets him home, gets him drunk, right? Tells him to go home. Go home with your wife. Go have relations with your wife. He doesn't because he's a dude. He's a noble dude, right? So he sleeps out at the door. He finds out, no, invites him back to the castle again, gets him drunk again, tries to get him back home again. Nope, still doesn't work. Sends him back to the battle with his death certificate, essentially. And Puts him on the front lines. Puts him on the front lines and everybody backs away and he dies. Bathsheba was also the most beautiful woman in the Bible. From yes. what I was told. Yes. That. So. Yes. No, that's not why I don't like my name. I thought I that's like, why. No, I don't like my name because people don't say it right and they don't spell it and they don't have the courtesy to ask me. Okay. And they just assume. Right. You know, and usually when I go out, it's I get, I just, my name's Ryan. <laughs> it's just easy. I always give, ba- I always give fake names too. Older women, older women know my name, which is odd. But older women, if they're like, oh, what's your name? I'm like, Uriah. Oh, my God, that's so beautiful. I couldn't spell it, by the way. Like if I – well, I can't spell half the time anyway, but it, like my spelling is awful. And then, and then Uriah Faber, the UFC fighter. See, I don't – and I don't know And him. see, he's tough, right? The Hunt- Huntington Beach bad boy or whatever they call him. And so now I get that from the younger people. Like, you know, they'll be like, oh, you like Uriah Faber? I'm like, no, it's the same, but it's spelt different, and I'm way tougher than he is way tougher it's not true uriah it's not it's not it's not <laughs> true so back to this uh little segue there that we with little adventure we went on um how true would you say 
a person's feelings are. Or maybe a better way to say this is, how true are your feelings? It depends. Okay. It depends on the situation. Okay. I have to... I have to evaluate my feelings and I have to justify why I feel that way. And most of the time I can't. Most of the time I'm irritated for some trivial reason and but I'm still irritated. And so I have to I have to figure out if if the emotion of anger that I'm feeling is legit and if I should really be upset. So for me, it depends on why I feel the way I'm feeling. You know what I mean? If somebody was, you know, if somebody's like, "Oh, you're gay," right? That bothers me just because of my past, but it's trivial. So I have to, I have to consciously make that decision on, am I going to act on this? Am I going to act on how that made me feel? Or am I just going to understand that that was just dumb? So it just depends. Okay. Do you feel like our feelings can lie to us or more specifically, can your feelings lie to you? That's a tough question. It depends. I think that comes down to what you're passionate about. It depends on that. That's your, uh, for me, it's, it's to single that out. is kind of tough because I think for me, I can't, I can't answer that. That's a hard question to answer because it's, yeah, that's a tough question to answer. Okay. You don't feel like they could ever lie to you. Like they could ever mislead you, make you feel something that maybe you're really not feeling Mm -mm. or do you think they're all bringing truth to you? So let me think about that for a second. Yeah. I'm thinking about how I feel right now because okay. I'm doing what I'm telling you right now as we talk. Good. Because every time you ask me a question, it triggers something. So I have to I have to put it back in where it goes. I have to put it in the, in the dark with, with the bad guy. So um, I would say my feelings don't lie to me if I catch them. If I catch them and I have the time to fully understand what I'm feeling, then they won't lie to me. But there are those ones that sneak past the, the gate and I react, and it usually isn't very good. But 99% of the time, I can catch it. So would a great phrase be, you really have to take every thought you have captive? Yeah, I think that would apply to everybody. How so? Because if you, if you say something to somebody, and it offends you, or you get offended, excuse me, and usually when we get offended, we get angry. Angry is the first emotion that we feel. Even though, even though most people would say anger is a secondary emotion? Most. For me, that's the first thing I feel. because I, It's a little backwards. It is a little backwards. Because anger, anger makes me feel good. It, it, uh, it, lets the, it lets the guy in the, gar- the dark smile and, and come out a little bit. And I like that. But I have to babysit sometimes. But um, what was your question? I digressed. For a you, you did, but that's okay. So uh, taking every thought captive. Yep. And how important would you say that is? And you were kind of alluding to the fact that it is important that you have to take every thought captive and everyone should take their thoughts captive. If it's, if it's regarding your feelings, then yeah, you should pay attention to your thought because if, because it's, you're going to get triggered. So there's, there's a process of, of how it works. There's a, B and C and somebody like me, we just go from A to C and B is thinking about what it is that you're feeling. So a is the emotion, B is thinking, C is outcome or decision. <clears throat> However you want to I want to say it. Personally, I have a tendency of of having the feeling and I don't think about it and I do go straight to C. So, yes, every every thought that is associated with a feeling that you're having is very important because if you forget the B and ABC, 
you just made a mistake and that mistake can hurt you and others. So going back to this, because obviously you have experience and I think that's part of the reason why I brought up the biblical account of the name Uriah. Oh, I haven't gotten into why I don't like churches yet. Oh, you haven't? No. Okay. We and, could... I, and, I, and, and I, and I want to tread this very lightly, Neil, because I know how you are. Wow, how I am? Wow. Well, I, not how judging. you are. I meant I know your <laughs> no, beliefs, I, and I, I don't want to offend you, but if you want me to express why, I will gladly tell you. That's up to you. Okay, we'll see what, we'll see what okay. happens. We'll see where this goes. But part of the reason why I brought up the story of the <clears throat> biblical account of Uriah and David and all that, because, again, when I first met you, that was the first thing that jumped into my head. It wasn't the UFC fighter. It sure as heck was not learning how to spell it, even though I still struggle with that. It wasn't any of that. And that was even really before you and I had too many conversations. But then as we started to have more conversations, I started to figure out more and more that this guy Uriah, in my mind, and and I would even echo this with you as far as the same sentiment, is you both are very courageous people from what I see. You both have a sense of loyalty, a sense of... um a sense of heroism, right? A sense of doing the right thing, a sense of you just want to be a good worker and, and, and do your best. Right. And, um, that's what I think of when I thought of your name. And so with that respect, I I thought you would be a great source of trying to maybe even perhaps help someone out. And so that's what leads into this next question is to say, how would you help someone with no joy, no happiness in their life, what advice would you give them? Let go of whatever it is. <clears throat> so, but that it, sounds simple, right? It, like I have a like I have a cap in my hand, right? Uh, a water bottle cap in my hand, and I just I just let it go, and it just it's gone, right? Well, it's gonna let me elaborate on. Yeah, it. it's easy to say, right, from somebody that does it every day. But the first thing I would tell you, if you if you personally came to me and said, dude, I'm, I'm just not happy, dude. I'm just, I feel like my life is, there's no point. What what am I doing this for? And I would say, dude, you got to let go. And then I would sit down and I would talk to you or whoever else is listening. Sit down and find somebody that you trust. Even if it's just you and you got to stare at yourself in the mirror. Sometimes the best person to have a conversation with is yourself. And figure out the underlying problem. If you're not feeling joy, you're not feeling happy, there is a reason for that. And you have to find it. And once you find it, you can fix it. If you realize, well, okay, well, I don't feel joy, and you have this conversation with your sister, your brother, your friend, or yourself, or a journal, it might take you, it might take you a week, it might take you years. But once you find it, then you go, okay, this is what I think this is. Even if you just guess. If you go, you know what, this is because my dog died and I wasn't able to say goodbye. I have this feeling of loss or I feel empty every time I see a dog, right? If you find that, then you have to look at yourself. Nobody can tell you how to do it. This kind of goes to my, my, my single perspective on all of this. It's, it's a lot of self-awareness. It, it comes down to how bad do you want it to go away? For me, I wanted it to go away. I got tired of cutting myself. I got tired of, of feeling the way that I was feeling, even though I still have bouts of feeling the way that I used to feel all the time. I don't cut myself anymore. I don't hurt myself anymore whatsoever. So, <clears throat> But to get there, it took years because that's what I wanted. So if somebody is like, I'm not happy, 
either find the underlying problem on why you're not happy or find something that makes you happy, no matter what it is. As long as I, the motto for my, for me, and, and I think everybody should have this outside of religions, outside of what you believe, outside of what everybody tells you to believe, smile, spread love and be happy and do whatever makes you happy. As long as you're not hurting people, that's what I, that's, it's that simple. So if you're not feeling joy, but chewing on styrofoam makes you feel joy, but it's not hurting you, it's not hurting anybody else, then do it. If that makes you happy, because at the end, death comes to everybody. We can't hide from it. So the, the biggest thing that everybody has to understand is from the moment you realize this is it, this is it, this is going, this is the, this is the one path that I have, this is it. Once I meet death, it's over. Then it changes your perspective. And you go, okay, well, I'm not feeling joy, but why? <clears throat> and some people can go, I don't care why. This is, this is all I got. I got one journey. I'm going to be happy. And you just force it upon yourself. Others, it takes more diligence. You have to take the time and, and figure out what it is that's causing that. And once you figure it out, you meet it in the boxing ring and you take it on. And one of the biggest things that you have to do to overcome anything that you're having struggles with, whatever it is that you find that makes you feel empty, you have to be prepared to look it in the face and say, I forgive you. I love you, but I forgive you. That's some sound advice. So leading into this, uh, and maybe you kind of answered it, maybe not, but um, where do you find your source of hope when you're uh, feeling hopeless? Because you alluded to the fact that, that obviously sometimes, uh, a lot of times, I have a filter, and it's a Christian filter. It's mm -hmm. a church filter. By the way, just to clarify for you and me and everyone, I actually don't like the word Christian. Uh, no, I'm not. Yeah. I don't, I'm not no, labeling no, and you. No, and I know. And I, I know you're not. You no, I know you're not. I, I'm just saying, and, and I'm declaring that just not only between you and I, but whoever's going to hear this, right. is I, the word Christian only appears three times in the Bible. The word disciple whole lot more than three times. So just to clarify, but for me, like uh, it's not about me right now, but, but if it was, I would say, uh, you know, my source comes from my faith. My mm -hmm. source comes from my wife. My source comes from my daughter, my, uh, you know, sometimes my job, depending on what I've done, you know, that's where I found my identity, my, my, my hope, my existence, my identity. But, but what about for you? Where does that hope come from when you're feeling so hopeless? Because there have been times that you felt hopeless, I'm sure, right? Mm-hmm. I, I actually, um, it kind of, to, to not digress too much, but it comes in stages. It happens three or four times a year. Um, and um, sometimes it's really bad, and sometimes I'm in a, I'm in a funk that only lasts for a while. Um, but I just got out of one. I was, I was uh, having thoughts of suicide again and um, self-harm and I just felt awful. Nothing had any purpose to me at all. I just was empty. And, you know, after doing what I do, I found out that um, there was absolutely no justified reason for me to be feeling that way. So that's part of bipolar. I mean, it can just come up and whenever it wants to. And, and manic depression can just kick in whenever it wants to. I, I have PTSD, too. Is kind of They all work together. Those, those three little men work together to torment me sometimes. Um, but where do I get hope? Um, I am not religious in any means. I don't, um, I don't, I don't, um, do any of, I used to be, um, 
But the guy that molested me ruined that for the rest of my life. And as I got older, I realized that. It happened in a church setting? Well, no. Not in the church. But everything that he did and everything he made all of us um, little dudes do, it was pray before dinner, read your Bible. What you read about in your Bible? Don't forget to go to church. Go to church on Wednesdays. Go to church on Sundays. Go to church on Saturdays. And it, he did... The evil that he did, he shrouded it in the name of God in my eyes. So that, this is the, I don't want you to be offended or anybody else that may believe in God. But how dare him allow that to happen to me? How dare him let an innocent boy or boys, that come to find out the guy actually was doing this stuff since he was 21. And when he was 21, uh, when we were going through the investigation, he got a phone call from somebody down in California and when he was 20 or 21, he forced an 11-year-old boy to rape his 9-year-old sister. So the dude was sick. And all of it happened under the, under the name of, under the guise of the man upstairs. But, so I admire people that have hope and faith. I admire it. I admire you. I admire my dad. I admire my wife. My wife are completely black and white when it comes to that. <clears throat> I find hope in memories. That's all that I can find hope in. Because I don't because when it happens, when death knocks on my door, I will welcome him with open arms. I'm not scared to die. I'm scared to not leave positive memories. So the hope is that every day I create a memory in somebody that will last forever. Because that's the one thing out of everything that we have, our cars, our houses, our our characteristics, our morals, how we treat people, everything comes down to one defining thing that when we die, we only leave memories. So I hope, I hope, and it gives me, it makes me happy to know when I make somebody smile because they're never going to forget it. And it gives me hope that when death comes, people will stand around and they will talk about me and how I made them smile. Jennifer will talk to me about how I made her not commit suicide. These other people will talk to me about how I helped them with their addiction. And how they overcame being raped by their brother. Those are memories that those people will have for the rest of their lives. And then they're going to tell stories. So if you think about it, and my, the way I look at it, it goes back to like the biblical era. Because people didn't keep history back then. It was all, I forgot what it's called. You might know what it's called. Orality? Is that what it's called? Where people it's, don't it's, write things it's down. It's oral they, tradition. Yeah, it's oral tradition. Orality. Mm-hmm. That is, I believe in that. That's how they passed a lot of the stories yeah. that, that we have nowadays. Mm-hmm. So you, okay, so you know what I'm talking about. I do. And that is kind of Native how Americans are really big on that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go Cherokees. So um, <laughs> yeah, I'm quarter Indian. So nice. Um, yeah, that's kind of where I get hope, man. Okay. So. I want to touch on something really fast and then we're going to play a game and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up the show with the game. So, okay. so here, here's one I want to just go back to just for a quick sec. You mentioned the fact that, um, it, it sounded like, and I, I never want to put words in someone else's mouth. So I'm going to try to re-digest what you said, but it sounded like you were saying God was to blame for what happened with you being molested because he didn't stop it. Yes or no. Well, I might make a lot of your listeners mad. Yes. Okay. And he's to blame for all the children that were molested in the Catholic Church. He's 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 to blame for a lot. 
This is a different conversation between you and I. It, it, it really is, and it but could, it could wanted, jump into another episode. And, 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 it, and it can, because I yeah. have some valid points, and, and when it comes to religion um, or beliefs or God or, or, or Ganesh or whoever it is you believe in, I absolutely love the conversation. But most people can't have that conversation because they get offended. And because they, they have, I don't know why, but they, there's this, well, you can't tell me I'm wrong. Well, you're hurting my feelings, you know? <laughs> and, and, and I honestly absolutely enjoy the conversation. And I, and I, this is one of those hoping things. I hope that somebody changes my mind because I'm telling you, it would be a lot easier to just be like, eh, whatever, he'll have it. It'd be a lot easier than to do everything myself. So <laughs> I, I welcome the challenge. So we'll we'll segue to that perhaps because there is there is actually a, uh, an episode uh, coming up um, that I have taped uh, already, future episode uh, called Faith, and it is done by somebody who just in my mind uh, made a dramatic change from where they were to now walking in uh, in being a disciple of Jesus again not using the the Christian yeah. word but walking as a disciple of Jesus and how Jesus met him changes changed his life changed his direction and uh, it's actually a guy we work with believe it or not across the street by the way from nice. our, from our main building so nice. longtime friend of, of of the show too nice. but I, I think it would be a great uh, flip of the coin because again he's given his uh, his biblical perspective on why he made those decisions. Oh, you mean like a like a triangle conversation? No, I'm saying like you would then do the opposite. Oh, of yeah, because you have an opposite stance. I do, I do. I listened. I, I have so segue I, faith segue. part two just now enough, on its way. Just so you know, I was thinking about you driving over here because I'm listening to a band called Ghost. Nice. Have you ever heard of them? I have not. Okay. Little little plug for them, maybe. <laughs> you won't like it. Don't okay. listen to it. I please don't. Neil. We won't put any disclaimer. <laughs> no. This will not be in the show. If you notes. haven't listened to Ghost, I, I urge you to. They're a satanic band. Yeah, probably not then. But it's not like you think it is. It's not like, you know, uh anyway, this is a different conversation because there's a lot of things that it uh, is make a lot of sense. All I can say when it comes to me. I don't, it doesn't matter your color, your creed, your religion, what you believe in. I don't care if you pray to furniture. I don't care if you love people and you, and you, and you spread love to people and you spread kindness to people and you have it in your heart to be nice to people. I don't, I don't care. That's all that matters to me. So I'm going to, I'm going to stand up for a second because I want you to read the back of my shirt. If I can not spill things in, what does it say? Kindness matters. Yeah. So I, and maybe you might know this. So you might know this if I, re- sorry, I repeated that. So yesterday there was a guy, there was a car at Walmart. Um, and it said something about he's on the white horse ascending from the heavens to judge and wage war. Do you know that? I, I do. It sounds, it's, I don't know the I don't exact know that's verse. exactly and, what it and, said. And it, if you're going based on that, it could and very much sounds like revelation. Okay. It just strikes me as odd why somebody so full of love, peace, and passion want to wage war and kill people. Well, and again, different time. We're gonna we're gonna plug <laughs> Faith Part Two right I'm now. I'm intriguing your listeners you to are. follow up with that we, one. We're gonna go to Faith Part Two with Uriah, so stay tuned for that. But we're gonna close the show. By the way, thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I, I want to before we go to the game. I want to say that, um, and we've gone really long time but that's okay my editor will love this episode cut this part out gary i wouldn't cut anything out
Just kidding. Don't cut anything out. <clears throat> cut that part out that I just said cut out, but then start again <laughs> when, I say, when I say right now. Say. Right now. Now we're going. Uh, first off, I want to say thanks for coming on because I know some of the stuff we talked about, even though you in your mind probably thought we were going to go that direction, I really had no intention of going that direction. I really didn't. No, I thought we were going to talk about my friend that died. We could talk about that too, but I really just wanted to hear your perspective on this emptiness idea. I And I think you covered it. But the other part of it is you really talked about some stuff. And I know you're comfortable talking about it because so much time has passed since since the abuse and since all of that. But for me, hearing that firsthand, hearing that raw emotion in you, man, that's that was awesome. So thanks for yeah. thanks for sharing that because no you didn't have to. No, we can talk. Dude, anytime if you ever get a message from a listener that says that they want more information about this kind of stuff, well, and, that, and that's why I was just going to say, I, I know you're, you're, I know you're not famous per se. Like you don't have like no. a ton of Instagram. You're not, you know, you're, you're not out promoting, you know, no. uh, how to, you know, avoid this or, or counseling people on that. I know, I know you don't do that professionally right now, maybe one day down the road, maybe. but, uh, I do appreciate that, that if somebody were to hear this, somebody were to say, Hey, I I've gone through that. I'd like to get in touch with them. Um, I, I'd love to, to obviously, you know, I think, float them your way or, or send them I your think, way. I uh, think when it comes to when it comes to abuse, just to, to statistically speaking, one in six men have been abused, and they don't say anything because there's a there's a stereotype from society that when you're abused and you're a man that you were going to hurt other children. I have been told to stay away from children because I was abused, and they didn't want me to abuse their child. I've been told to stay away from children. I've been told I can't be trusted around children. I've been called excuse my language, but a faggot, not a, not to offend gay people, which hurts my feelings because I don't care, you know, but it hurts my feelings that you would call me that because of what, a hap- what happened to me. Um, there's been some awful things that have happened to me. That's why men don't come forward. But if you were listening right now from the bottom of my heart, if you have been through that, get a hold of Neil and Neil will find me and I will talk to you and I will do everything I can to help you. I just actually helped somebody recently. They read some stuff on my Facebook and it was actually at work. And he goes, dude, this is at work, but I have to ask. And the next thing you know, we talked about it and he kind of, he got, he got in trouble, but he, he was keeping me close to him. So if you've been through it and it's a hard time, I will carry your pain with you. Or if you can't carry it, I'll carry it all for you. I can do it. I it's, I've been shut down in this town. I've been told, no, we only handle women that have been raped. I've been told, no, men don't need the help. They need to go. They need to get over it. I have tried to do things in this town, and I've gotten the door shut in my face because I'm a man, and we should have known better. Well, and again, I I, I say that on the onset, too, and and even a a little bit of a, uh, not even a disclaimer, but but that's part of the reason, again, not knowing we were going to head that way, but kind of glad we headed that way, as weird as that sounds, because glad from the standpoint of you've walked through it, you've experienced it. That's the whole point of my podcast is to get people to walk where someone's walked, to experience what they've experienced, and to you know give a different perspective on life and some understanding, and, and that's my goal, and I think we've accomplished that today. So so first off, thanks for letting us walk in your shoes. Yeah, by, no problem, by, the, by the way, uh, what size are they? I wear these are eleven, and they are gold standard Adidas superstars. Nice, 
Leaving a shoe plug in there. I've added in, like, I've started doing that at the end of the show to kind of wrap things up. So we're going to play a game. Okay. Got our dice here. Got our North Carolina baby blue cup, just like always. Sports. And, uh, yeah, I know you're a sports guy, but no. I am. I so you we're, you're going to roll the die. Okay. Die, not dice. I, I was corrected last okay. episode. It's a die. It? Yeah, roll it. What'd you get? Four. You got a four? Yeah. Ooh, this is going to be fun. So uh, this is a game I like to call Senseless. Senseless. And so you're going to answer some senseless questions. And here we go. Number four is one thing you love to hear. What's one thing you love to hear? One thing I love to hear? Yes. I love you. Why? I mean, obvious reasons. Because but... I didn't get told that a lot. I love to hear it when – I love it when men tell me they love me. Not not in a weird not in a weird way. No, no don't no don't take that the weird way. No, but because it it shows when a man says, "Dude, I love you," you know, it shows that their guard is down. They have let you truly into who they are. You know what I mean? There's only a handful of men that I tell I love them to, and it's because they are me. They are everything. They don't know certain things about me, but when when a guy lets his guard down and he's comfortable enough to go, "Dude, I love you too, buddy," that is amazing. Wow. All right. Well, Uriah, thanks so much. Guys, uh, stay tuned for future episodes. Uh, This is, of course, Other People's Shoes. Thank you for giving us a chance to uh, look at a different perspective and some understanding. 